T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This hour is brought to you by Cars for Kids. Call 1-877-CARS-FOR-KIDS. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Score! Yeah, it's big. You know, we we put a high price on both guys, as we should. Um, They're both all-star caliber players, and... Um, you know, obviously we listened. I think with where we are as an organization, you have to listen to have those conversations. But we never got close to that line where we felt like the value we were getting was uh, in excess of the value that those guys provided. So in the end, it was actually a really easy decision. The de- deadline came and went, and uh, we still have two really good players. Absolutely. That is Jed Hoyer on Marquee the other day. A little touch of Cole right there at the end. Uh, Jed Hoyer sitting down with Cole and talking about everything in terms of the trade deadline and it's interesting where they eventually got in the conversation um, when they got to the offseason and we are going to give you some of that as we've been mentioning we also have a White Sox lineup which we need to give you so before we get back to the rest of Jed and that's Jed talking about not trading Contreras and Hap and we've covered some of that so I don't mind making the segue cross town right here right now Lucas Giolito for the White Sox Spencer Howard the former Phillies prospect for the Rangers and he's been bad this year a 6.82 ERA the White Sox lineup uh, after losing two of uh, three to start this series in Texas does not include Tim Anderson at shortstop. T.A.'s been struggling like crazy. He also has been waiting for resolution on his appeal for the three-game suspension for bumping an umpire. We don't have anything on that, right? We don't have anything official on, uh, on the T.A. suspension. I don't believe we do, no. But what we do have is a lineup and we also have the arrival of Lenin Sosa, the extremely hot-hitting shortstop middle infielder who was called up directly from AA earlier in the year and played just a tiny bit and went back to AAA, so it worked as a promotion of sorts with a stop in between and was called up this morning. Tanner Banks for the White Sox sent down. Lenin Sosa called up. Now, that is a bat that could be very interesting. Let's see. Is that somebody you insert insert into a moribund offense desperately in need of a spark of some kind? Not today. Tony La Russa has Leury Garcia at shortstop and batting eighth today in a Sunday lineup. Now, 
Sebi Zavala is your catcher, so Grandal gets the day off. Luis Robert back in there, and he'll play center field. He's hitting second. A.J. Pollock up at the top. Jimenez, Abreu, Vaughn, Moncada all in there. Josh Harrison is your second baseman today. Leary plays. Have you seen his at-bats? I, I, man, it's been a long time since I've seen a manager as committed to someone who does not deserve at-bats as Tony La Russa is committed to Leary Garcia. And it's been covered all year long. But he is, he, is, he is stubbornly putting him out there and refusing to use options that are presented to him by a front office. And, you know, I, maybe, maybe I, you know, is it possible that Rick Khan says, look, I am giving you Lenin so just use him for depth, do whatever you want. I mean, is that, is, that, is that possible? Sure. Is it possible that Rick Khan thinks, man, this team could use a spark and we need somebody, uh, let, let's bring up Lenin. He's, he's ready again. Let's do it. Get him in there. And then Tony gets to fill out the lineup, and he just does what he does because he's a Hall of Famer baseball person, and that Rick Hahn is pulling out his hair and going crazy as he sees this, this decision again. Is that possible? Oh, yes. Yes, it's possible. Man, what a mess. It's an absolute mess. I couldn't believe you were telling me he was starting Garcia. Like, when you were telling me before the break, I was like, Garcia is n- yeah. not Lenin is, is shortstop? We have an official suspension, Sean. Do we have an official suspension on TA? Nothing yet. I'm, I'm searching, though. Okay. Because I, 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 it was a three, and then he appealed, and I'm being told uh, via text that it dropped down to two, and we've got a two-game suspension, but we don't have that uh, perhaps officially just yet. Interesting stuff around the game, by the way. The Braves have optioned Ian Anderson. Wow, sent Ian Anderson back down. That's a guy who made playoff starts for them and has really struggled all year long, and they've got a a pretty deep rotation, so they've sent Ian Anderson up down. Okay, yeah, what do you got? So according to Chuck Garfine about 23 minutes ago, Anderson will be serving a two-game suspension for making contact with the umpire on the 29th. TA's appeal dropped the suspension from three games to two. He will also sit out game one of the doubleheader Tuesday. Okay, there you go. So it is a two-game suspension. There it is officially. Thank you. Um, and now we know. So Lenin Sos is here, but Leora Garcia is your starting shortstop. Great. Familiar White Sox frustrations as voiced Earlier on in the first hour. Um, but let's get back to what we are doing here. Um, because wanted to, to talk about these Jed Hoyer sound bites off of Marquee the other day. So we played you that one about Contreras and Hap. He then was talking about the farm system, which they've done a lot of stocking, a lot of pitching arms that were added during the draft, and then a whole bunch more pitching arms that have been added. Um, this is uh, Jed Hoyer talking about two of the power arms they acquired. Ben Brown, the young starter who was in double-A for the Phillies, and Hayden Wesnecki, uh, the triple-A pitcher who was there with the Yankees. Yeah, fantastic. You know, we're going to take it slow this summer with them. They've had, they've had big seasons, but, you know, in our opinion, we, we got someone that we felt like was the best college pitcher at the end of the year in Cade Horton. Uh, we got a guy that we had rated as one of the top high school pitchers in Jackson Ferris. Sure. And um, it was important. You have to, you have to be willing to, to take shots on, on, on really good power arms in the draft. And uh, we did that, and we couldn't be more excited about it. So uh, power arms is, is who he's talking about, and those were draft guys he's talking about, as well 
as the uh, the other players that I mentioned. We'll get an update on them from Kylie McDaniel. Um, here's Hoyer talking about the farm system. He enjoys it right now. Feels good about it. Yeah, I feel great about the way things are going. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're winning tons of games. I think we're third in the minor league in winning percentage. Uh, our prospects are, are playing really well. Um, up and down the system, we have a lot of depth. And um, I think that, you know, that'll start to come up. You know, if, if year after year we can you know, have good drafts, develop well, um, that will that will eventually you know, matriculate its way up to the big leagues and and, and have a huge impact. This year, uh, we didn't quite have that you know that 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 level to come up to the big leagues and help in the way we will in the future. Um, but I think pretty soon it'll be the way it was, going back to 2013, 14, 15, where every year there were multiple players coming up to the big leagues and, and making a huge impact. And you know people should be excited to watch um, you know, watch the minor leagues right now. So it's interesting. Um, you know it's funny because a texter had just asked me directly. Said Speaks, why can you can you explain? Can you, why do the Cardinals compete every year without a complete rebuild, but the Cubs can't do the same thing? Got to rebuild twice here in a decade, um, and it's a very fair question. And the answer is that the Cardinals have never stopped for a moment with their ability to scout and develop. They have always done it extremely well. They have had a never-ending supply of legit, young, inexpensive talent that they can augment at any point along the process with a trade acquisition like Paul Goldschmidt or Nolan Arenado. Um, And they can augment at any time with a free agent signee like Marcelo Zuna or anything like that because they always have that never-ending supply of legit, high-end, low-cost talent in full control. Theo, when he got here in 2012, had to start fresh. Had to start fresh and rebuild how the Cubs did everything, and they did. And now Jed has decided that he needed to revamp some. How they got there to that decision is the issue, of course. And that decision that came, you know, before the deadline last year and with the trade of, of, uh, of Darvish and some of, the, some of the other big moves that we've discussed so much over the last year and a half. So they got to that decision. There were baseball reasons that Jed Hoyer got to that decision. Uh, were there also financial reasons that got to that decision? I don't think they were the dominant ones. I know a lot of very cynical fans do believe those were the dominant ones. I, I don't believe that was the case. I think it were baseball reasons that got there. Was it also, in part, a desire for Jed Hoyer to really set it up well in his one shot? We don't know that he's going to get another shot to do this, be the king of an organization like this with all the resources and the the long runway and the five-year uh, contract, he wants to do it this way because he has dreamed of doing it this way. So there are, those are a variety of reasons why they've made that choice. Now the question is, as he continues to liken it to 2014 and uh, eventually 2015, do you have to wait for all your prospects to be ready to augment with trade additions and big money free agent additions. That's the traditional way of doing it and the way that he and Theo did it the last time. I don't think you have to do it that way because the system has changed. The game has changed. And because you have some room financially to add some people, which they did, the Marcus Stroman contract, the Seiya Suzuki contract, those were not signings to then trade. Those were signings to be part of the next great Cubs team eventually. So, when will that team be here? Is it only when the prospects are ready? Because that's what the plan was last time. Or can you continue to add in this postseason, in this next postseason, can you spend and build as you wait for those kids to be ready? Then the kids can come up and augment what you're building on the big league level. Isn't that possible? 
I think it is, which is why I've been a voice all year long saying, excuse me, pardon me. I've been a voice all year long saying they are going to spend in this coming offseason, that they're going to hit next spring training feeling a hell of a lot better about themselves, and you, the fan, will feel a hell of a lot better themselves as a viable big league entity next year than you did this particular spring. So will they spend this offseason? Jed said some things at the deadline that gave me pause. But then he kind of went back on the flagship television network and said this about yeah, having you know, money we'll to spend. Yeah, we'll certainly have money to spend uh, going into next year. And um, you know, we, our, our goal is to, to build something really special. Uh, we know um, that, that truly special season uh, may mm-hmm. be a bit in the future, um, but we want to compete every year uh, in the meantime. So there'll be money to spend, and um, we look forward to, to getting to the offseason and, and working on that. But in the meantime, we got... Uh, a lot more games, and uh, we can learn a lot over this uh, this next, you know, almost two months. I need to play this one again. This is a big deal. It's a big deal because we've heard some things coming out of the org from different levels. When Jed has been asked about this directly before, he's been, um, I wouldn't say vague, but he's just, you know, tried to be deft talking about it. Doesn't want to tip the hand too much. And part of that, maybe that's about bidding in the open market and having people know that you want to spend and that you're going to unleash the financial hounds, all of that. Or, or, or maybe he's been kind of trying to be patient, generally trying to have a wait and see approach. And maybe he'd like to take a little more time and he'd be okay being a little more patient. And maybe some within the organization are not as patient. This is me positing a little bit here, mixing in some yeah, of my own. Certainly- Mixing in some of my own thoughts on this a little bit. So this is a big one. I want to play it again. What's going to happen this offseason, Jed? Are you guys going to be spending or not? Yeah, you know, we'll certainly have money to spend uh, going into next year. And um, you know, we, our, our goal is to, to build something really special. Uh, we know um, that that truly special season uh, may mm-hmm. be a bit in the future, um, but we want to compete every year uh, in the meantime. So there'll be money to spend, and um, we look forward to, to getting to the offseason and, and working on that. But in the meantime, we got... Uh, a lot more games, and uh, we can learn a lot over this uh, this next, you know, almost two months. That's big, folks. We we want to says we want to wait for the next great Cubs team, but want to compete every year. Waiting for that, they're going to be aggressive, and they should be. And we know where it needs to be, because frankly, if uh, if Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele are your four and five with Marcus Stroman as a two and Kyle Hendricks comfortably as a three, you go get an ace if there is one, and there's not a whole lot. That's a problem in this particular free agent market. Maybe there's not an ace to get, but maybe they find another way to get that ace during the course of the year or with trades or something like that. What they need is power, and Jed knows that. This is Jed Hoyer talking about needing power and some depth on the pitching front. Yeah, it's hard to say that because I don't want to – um, we still we're still playing games, and we got exactly. guys on the field. Um, you know, but certainly we we know what things we need to address. You know, I think this year uh, we put the ball on the ground way too often. We've gotten on base. We've done a good job of grinding at bats, but like kind of finish, finishing off rallies. We have too many double plays. Uh, you know, not enough not enough power in, in some ways. So those are some things we have to address. Uh, and certainly pitching depth. We worked really hard at the deadline. We worked hard in the offseason to. Uh, to do that, but I think when we've really hit the skids this year at, at a couple of different times, it's been lack of pitching depth, and we just have to keep building that up. Uh, the system is about to start churning out some really good pitching, yeah. um, but we have to be aware, like, you know, 
we saw this year what happens when you don't have enough pitching. Now uh, we had you know four starters on the IL and we weren't able to uh, uh, to perform when we had that. So we have to avoid that going forward. So there we go. That's Jed Hoyer. Um, look, I, I I do believe they will spend and aggressively so. I don't think they're going to buy themselves a full team, nor do I think they should. But they will have money coming off the books. You're seeing some of the designations for assignments start trickling in here. Jonathan VR, and now we got Andrelton Simmons designated for assignment. And I think, folks, Jason Hayward will not be on this team next year. You'll see that cost swallowed before they get to spring training. I do believe that will be the case. And things are going to look different and feel different by the time spring training comes. I'm emboldened now on that theory that I've had going all year long. Chris Kampka later on. Thank you for your calls and your texts all show long. Having a great time doing Hit and Run today. Tomorrow, back with Danny Parkins, Parkins and Spiegel, afternoons right here on The Score. Coming up next, Kylie McDaniel from ESPN will talk prospects with us. One's in the... T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission system now and one's still in the White Sox system now. We'll do that next on The Score. Hit and run Sunday mornings 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's yeah, you know, I think, uh, sports station. We we'll have a lot of opportunity for guys to play, to, to show different things. We want to put guys in different positions okay. uh, to succeed. You know, I think the bullpen, obviously, we traded four relievers, and, and that's going to be something we're going to have to piece together the rest of the way. I know that, and that's sort of on me that we love the talent we got for those relievers for our future, but obviously, that's a hole that we're going to have to fill. and. We're not going to be able to fill it the rest of the year with guys like, you know, David Robertson and Gibbons, and you know, uh, that that that's going to be the, the challenge. That's Jed Hoyer talking about the bullpen with all the arms that have left it at the trade deadline. Matt Spiegler with you on Hit and Run on six seventy. The score. Pleased to be joined by Kylie McDaniel, ESPN baseball insider, who joins us right now on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's. Largest sports book. Kylie, longtime fan of your work. Nice to get to talk to you for the first time. Thanks so much. How are you? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So when the Cubs trade away Scott Efros, who was kind of a pitching lab creation, he lowered the arm slot and they found something together and turned into this wonderful high leverage reliever. They seem to be confident that they can do that again. Do you believe they can do that again? Well, I mean, it was obviously, as I'm sure you're aware, a question for, you know, the end of the Theo Epstein regime and the beginning of the Jed Hoyer regime, if developing pitching could, if they could sort of cross that line and get to where they could just start manufacturing guys in the way that like the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Guardians and some teams like that have been able to. 
And the answer so far seems to be maybe, uh, possibly. There's been some progress in that area. Uh, the guy they got in return uh, with Nesky from the Yankees is actually not the same kind of guy, but was also a lower slot, not that well-known. He was a sixth-round pick out of a mid-major college. And the Yankees did a version of their sort of pitching lab with him where they raised his slot. They had him change a couple things in his delivery. And I think he could be, you know, kind of going down the same kind of road. But he's a little more of a finished product, obviously, than he was coming out of school. But he's another guy that probably needs some fine-tuning uh, as he gets closer to the big leagues. So it's interesting. You just use slot for both draft slot and arm slot. Probably a common issue in uh, in, in your line of work. Um, I love that. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. So Hayden Wesneski comes here, and in part it's because he worked with Daniel Moscos, I think, who's with the Cubs and uh, was his pitching coach, I believe, at AA. They seem to be valuing Daniel Moscos' opinion a lot within the organization. Does that does that track with you? Yeah, and there's a there's a couple teams now. I know Detroit was like really behind on player development stuff. Brought in a guy that is sort of like their ace in the hole in terms of pitching development, and have like uh, made a lot of progress with having one sort of strong voice. So that seems to be how a lot of teams uh, that have fallen behind a little bit, um, or at least not on the cutting edge, have approached this: is find someone who knows what they're talking about, can sort of speak the sort of hands-on, you know, talking to the players language, but also the sort of data front office language. And those guys are really hard to find that that can do both of those things well. You know, it, this is a little off track for Cubs and Sox, but it's kind of the broader conversation. I happened to be at a triple-A game last night in Indianapolis and saw this kid, Ricky Karcher, pitch for the Louisville Bats. And he's one of these guys who was, uh, I, I think he was a driveline student, and he's a guy who throws 98 and just has no idea where the ball is going. And, and he didn't, again, last night as I'm watching. And I'm wondering... That that kind of pervasive mindset that has been out there, and 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 Kyle Bodie obviously was hired by the Reds, and then and then let go. Um, it, where where do we stand in terms of that mindset being the groupthink around the game in terms of a hundred percenters and throw as hard as you can and worry about uh, control uh, after that? Where do we stand in terms of that being ever present around the game? That's one of those things that I think uh, became sort of widespread maybe five, six, seven years ago. I think it kind of started when Houston under Jeff Lunell was acquiring a bunch of guys that were high slot, arm slot, uh, four seam, high spin, fastball, curveball, that kind of guy. And it tended to be one or two innings at a time, that kind of guy. And then once other teams started realizing that that was succeeding, they then started copying that. Then the teams on the cutting edge started moving to, if you remember a couple years ago in the playoffs, the, the Rays, uh, had had that uh, every different arm slot on the clock. Yes. That, guy, that was that then became the sort of progressive approach. That's where the, the smartest teams were. They were moving in that direction. And I started noticing uh, Ricky Tiedemann, who's a big prospect for Toronto. I saw him at a junior college last year in California, and he's a low slot um, sinker slider. Everything's east-west, basically. And there were four scouting directors sitting in front of me, which is, that's like the highest-ranking scout for a team. So you're like, all right, these teams are the most interested. And it was all scouting directors from numbers teams. They were all over the guy with the low slot, you know, side spin, uh, sinker slider, east-west kinds of guys. And so they've now ventured that way. And I think now, like, the new frontier is looking for guys that throw from a low slot to get a sort of flat approach angle, which is how you get swings and misses at the top of the strike zone, basically try to make it as flat as possible, both throwing high in the zone and releasing as low as you can, Hmm. but releasing it low and not throwing a sinker, throwing like a cutter or a sort of quote rising four seamer. That now is where the, you know, the six or seven, maybe 10 most progressive teams are looking. And so the question is essentially to answer your question, where on that uh, spectrum are you? There are teams like Kansas city and Colorado that are still like, we want our guys to establish, the fastball, throw 80% fastballs and throw strikes. 
that's like, you know, the far end of one extreme of sort of the traditional end of things where they haven't really changed at all. Some success, some not. Uh, obviously, it's mixed on all approaches, depending on how your execution is. And then on the more extreme end of things, you have teams that are teaching everyone to throw 100% at all times, don't really know where it's going. Nobody pitches more than three or four innings at a time. And they prioritize stuff and effort and, you know, max benches and, uh, you know, trying to really blow it out in the weight room. And I think right now the smartest teams are somewhere in the middle where they have different approaches for every pitcher uh, and are trying to sort of customize it because obviously every successful playoff team in the big leagues, they have a couple guys that are at both extremes. You have the Zach Grinke strike thrower and then the Grutton and Spitton guy throwing 100 you got on waivers that you taught to learn where he was throwing the ball. Like every team has both of those guys. So the answer is obviously somewhere in the middle, uh, but you're obviously seeing the extremes of Kansas City and Colorado have very low strikeout rates and a lot of sinker slider guys that throw 88. And then, you know, Cincinnati with some of the leftover driveline guys have a bunch of guys grunting and spitting and throwing 100 and, you know, one walk per inning kind of guys. Oh. And and I think that's like, that's trying to figure out where on that spectrum is the right place to land and how to execute at that spot on the spectrum. That's where like the entire industry has been trying to figure out for the last five or six years. Boy, that's great, great stuff. That, that, that's baseball porn right there from uh, from Kylie McDaniel. Um, and, and this is the stuff that I can just never get enough of because I remember the moment. It was one series in L.A. when it was like, oh, the Dodgers figured out how to get out the entire Cubs lineup in 2017. Oh, they're throwing fastballs on the top of the zone and then some kind of 12-6 to 6 breaker and they're getting everybody out. And, and that Cubs core never figured it out. So now I'm like... You know, following a, a, along with that, and, and as you as you describe, you know how guys are pitching and how guys are attacking, and it's 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 a, a fascinating moment in the industry to see, you know, uh, how how certain teams are reacting and responding. I don't even know if there's a question in there. I'm just kind of uh, following along with with your line of thought, uh, Kylie McDaniel. Well, and what I was going to say is, Michael Gibbons is actually sort of famous in the circles of what I'm describing the guy that throws from a low slot but doesn't throw a sinker, so you get a very low approach angle going at the top of the zone. Mm-hmm. He has this freakish ability to throw a cutter from a very low slot which almost no one has ever been able to do before and so he has that that weird ability that a lot of these teams that are looking at that sort of progressive approach to pitching um are looking for uh and you could say that efrot's having like lower slot throwing the sinker but then also throwing that frisbee slider and having like a three foot gap between where the sinker lands to the right of the plate and then where the slider lands to the left of the plate that is also like uh, there used to be at the beginning again of this like six or eight years it used to be well we just grade each pitch as it is and so if you throw it a little bit harder and it breaks two more inches it's better and now the sort of progressive thought is more on well it doesn't matter how good the pitch is on its own it's how do they interact how do they tunnel do they look the same coming out of the hand what is the separation if you can get 18 inches separation of two pitches that go in opposite directions but they're thrown with the same spin a- axis to the eye that looks like the same pitch until the last minute. Like that's the kind of stuff that the best teams are doing are trying to dial into that. Hmm. Whereas the teams that are stuck somewhere in the middle are like, well, your spin rate is 2,800. Can you get it to 2,900? That's that was progressive thought <laughs> 10 years ago. And we've moved way past that. That's good. Kyla McDaniel worked for four different MLB teams and for fan graphs. You can hear why he worked for those MLB teams as we talk. And now is an ESPN baseball insider. One more on the Cubs before I move over to the White Sox. So the kid Ben Brown, they got for David Robertson from Philly. I saw that he was to, described as having a a good fastball and it's I think it's a high arm slot and they think he has good potential for for a slider Uh, and I'm not sure how do you see that based on a guy's fastball and his mechanics that he has good slider potential I don't even know what that means really 
Yeah, it also depends what kind of slider. Because I, I think traditionally we've talked about, you know, curveball is top of the zone to the bottom of the zone, sort of a 12-6 idea. And then the slider is get around the side of it and it breaks a little bit. And there's obviously in between those two things, there is a slurve or whatever you want to call it, like that, that, that famous pitch that K-Rod would throw, like the three-quarter break that goes from one corner to the opposite corner of the zone. Um, it kind of depends. Are they talking about a short cutter slider? Are they talking about one of those breaks all the way across the plate, horizontally sweepy sliders? Or are they talking about a sort of two-plane slurve slider? Like all three of those are completely different pitches. Hmm. Uh, I would guess from like having watched Ben Brown being that uh, that sort of tall sort of tall and fall high slot pitcher to give you like a mental image. Yeah. I think it's probably more one of those like, sh- like short cutter kind of sliders that makes sense from that angle. Because if you think uh, as a pitcher, if you're throwing from like as high as you can throw just above your head, it's going to be hard to get a lot of horizontal break from that arm slot, but you can get through it really hard and just put a little action on the side of it and throw essentially a version of a cutter um, or throw that top to bottom of the zone, 12 to six curveball. Uh, but that's also why a lot of the, again, the, the progressive approach to pitching includes a lot of sliders because curveballs tend to be the slowest of those pitches and break the most or the easiest to see out of the hand. That's more of like a weak contact contact or like a chase pitch hmm. as opposed to like a swing and miss pitch, hmm. uh, which if you just think the average curveball is like 75, the average slider is like 87, it, you're just not going to get swings and misses at 75 these days when guys can square up 100 if you're throwing it straight. What's um What's the White Sox reputation around the industry in terms of pitching development? Chris Getz, the man in charge of, uh, of that side of things uh, for the White Sox. Where are they on the scale that we were discussing? They would be toward the end with Colorado, Kansas City, the teams that are very traditional, um, which, you know, the way I was describing it as, quote, smart teams and being the most progressive, it would, it would seem to be that I'm labeling them as, you know, behind and dumb and things like that. Not always the case. Obviously, there are some players where the traditional approach to them, if we're not doing a one-size-fits-all, like just cookie-cutter approach, some players need a traditional approach, and they need to, like, master the mental game and throwing strikes because they have plenty of stuff and their stuff is shaped well to get swings and misses, they excel at, at that kind of thing. And so, like, Norhe Rivera, who's their best uh, pitching prospect that wasn't in the most recent draft, uh, signed out of Cuba two years ago, he is one of those guys. We're just, like, throwing strikes, getting it under control, and harnessing everything is kind of what he needs. And so he doesn't need that super progressive approach to things. He needs more of a traditional approach to things. Um, but in general, you know, whether you want to call it smart or dumb or, or yeah. whatever it is, they are definitely on the sort of old school end of things when it comes to development. Well, you know, uh, they're lucky that uh, Lucas Giolito remade himself with the help of Ethan Katz and then brought Ethan Katz here. So that and, you know, Liam Hendricks has brought in Codify and, and now a whole bunch of them are working with Codify. So sometimes the individuals can help pull the organization forward uh, as we've seen. Um, let me ask you about some hitters in the White Sox system. Lenin Sosa is here for his second time, regrettably not in the starting lineup again today as Leori Garcia will bat eighth and play shortstop in place of Tim Anderson, but that's a whole other story. Is Lenin Sosa, a guy who's ready to hit on the big league level, you think? Uh, I, I think it's time to find out. <laughs> uh, he, I mean, he's, he's essentially done what he needs to do at AAA. So at some point, you have to throw him in the deep end and kind of kind of see what we've got here. And he is, I mean, if you're trying to drop a profile of the kind of guy that can hit the ground running in the big leagues, you want a guy with a really good approach that's not going to come up and just chase a bunch of pitches that is contact over power, isn't going to try to do too much. And he is at least halfway toward that. So I would imagine if this is going to work, it's probably going to work pretty quickly. Hmm. Uh, and then maybe slowly try to tap into more sort of gap power as we go. Uh, 
but he's the kind of guy that can sort of hit the ground running in the big leagues. Whereas if you imagine like a Joey Gallo type, those guys often take a little longer to settle in because their approach is contingent on it's best if a pitcher is bad. And when the pitcher is much better than you are and you're just learning is when you look the worst. And the Lynn Sosa, that, that sort of player can tend to keep his head above water uh, more than the Joey Gallo kind of player. Yeah, and and when he came up from Double A, that that was my thought based on some stuff that 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 I had read, and it and it seemed like you know if a guy can hit at Double A, we've seen it with Christopher Morel here too with the Cubs. Like some guys, certain approaches, like they don't necessarily need Triple A anymore, do they? Yeah, and you can actually see it if you dive deep into the numbers. And I remember back in the day, the first time I read a study about this was that Adam Dunn, which is obviously like the latter-day version of a uh, Joey Gallo. And it was essentially like Adam Dunn, Joey Gallo, that kind of player is seeing tons and tons of pitches. So the worse the pitcher is, the more of an advantage they have because they're seeing more and more pitches from a bad pitcher. If you then imagine them facing the Cy Young winner, DeGrom, Verlander, those kinds of guys, they're seeing more and more pitches from those guys who are better than they are. They're going to do worse. And then you see the, you know, the, you know, the little like slap hitters that swing a lot, like the Luis Castillo, Juan Pierre were like the examples in that study. It was like, oh, they're seeing one, two, three pitches at a time. The first one they like they're swinging at, Justin Verlander doesn't have a 15 pitch at that to like assert himself at his dominance over that hitter. They're doing a, a bigger part of their damage against uh, the good pitchers. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 this is something that comes into play a lot when you were speaking earlier about uh, how a team could figure out the Cubs hitters very quickly. Yeah. But when I'm talking about how to scout pitchers and try to figure out who's going to be good, those uh, qualities that those, uh, quote, smart teams have, they also extend to advanced scouting, where they will have theories about, like, oh, this sort of pitcher with this sort of approach angle, uh, which is, you know, a second or third order type uh, thing that not every team is aware of. I've worked for teams where, like, we are looking at that, and I know people that work at the front office of the other team, and I know they're not looking at that. And so in that series, you're like, whether it's going to work or not, uh, we know things they don't know about their players and what will work against them uh and and it's you know it, it will ex- exert itself on the uh, less intelligent teams over the course of the season which i think is why you see again the more progressive teams like tampa bay having guys with different arm actions and like unique uh, movement on their fastballs they probably know something about how that plays against certain types of hitters mm-hmm. and have probably noticed like oh the red sox and yankees have a lot of those types of hitters this will be super important in the playoffs if we face those teams uh last thing for you oscar colas or yelki cespedes which one you think is uh, profiles better as a big league hitter? Uh, I've been a Colas guy consistently. Cespedes, I think, is a, a, I would label him a little more of a workout guy where it is insane tools, explosion, all the sort of raw qualities you want, but swings so much that you're not sure he's actually going to get to all of it. Whereas Colas is like the big power hitter that is uh, patient, sees a lot of pitches, and tries to do damage, and that approach with that skill set is much more likely to work than the tooled-out guy that just doesn't quite have the the patience or discipline you're looking for, uh, both defensively on the bases, but most importantly at the plate. Thank you so much. By the way, I loved your description of A.J. Preller, the ultimate YOLO GM for our time. Absolutely perfect. And, uh, it's so much easier if you can just describe something in vibes rather than explain, like, well, this is A.J.'s history, and he likes this sort of player. It's like, right. no, 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 he's just going for it. He's just freaking going for it. God love it. Thank you, Kylie. This was a pleasure. Appreciate it. Yep, thanks for having me. You got it. That's Kylie McDaniel from ESPN. My name is Matt Spiegel. It's Hit and Run. We'll wrap it up with the great, the wonderful, the only Chris Kamka next on The Score. We get ourselves cam connected here on the score with the great 
the one, the only Chris Kampka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago, who joins us right now on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. He's always watching. He's always looking at the numbers and thinking about the numbers, and we love him for it. Good morning, Chris. How are you? What's going on? Welcome back. Thank you, Good buddy. to be back. Uh, it, it is. It, you know what it really is? It is good to be back. I, uh, I was saying earlier in the show that this run by Dylan Cease um, that he's on is reminding me a little bit of Jake Arrieta in 2015 because eventually the numbers were so good and the historic stretch got so much notice that Arietta was the, the Cy Young winner because he had to be. Kershaw had a great year. Granke had a great year. But it was uh, hot damn it. Look at so Cease has to do it more and longer because Verlander is is a king of men and will probably win another one. But still, uh, d- what Dylan Cease is doing is is catching eyes as, as it should be. Sure, and, and it does definitely remind me of the area to run in fifteen too. And mind mind you, both of these guys didn't make the All Star team, right? Um, so it, it's just like every time he's starting, it's like all right, automatic win. And what kind of weird nuggets are we going to pull from this game? It has the same feeling. It really does. So, I mean, Cease is just unstoppable right now. What's, um, what's your favorite of the Cease uh, nuggets that are, that are coming and flowing out of, these, uh, out, out of these games? And Cease nuggets, by the way, are delicious with a little barbecue sauce. Uh, I recommend those a lot. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, so this run started on May 29th. Yep, 13 straight starts with one or fewer earned runs. Insane. So over that span since May 29th, there's been 241 starting pitchers in the majors that have had a start giving up at least two earned runs. <laughs> and uh, also over that span, Patrick Corbin and Marco Gonzalez have each had 11 starts where they've allowed two or more runs. <laughs> so, I mean, just look at, I mean, it's a long time. God, poor Patrick Corbin. He's my favorite player in the league. You know why? Because I do beat the streak uh, every day, and I try to play beat the streak. And you can just, whew, you can count on Patrick Corbin day. I mean, give me anybody in the opposing lineup. I don't care. That dude, he's got an outside shot, by the way, at 20, 20 losses. He's 4-15, and 15, I believe, and is healthy, getting paid a lot, and they're going to trot him out there. I have faith in Patrick Corbin, but that's that's not why you called. That that's an amazing Dylan Cease nugget right there. Oh, uh, well, Corbin. <laughs> I mean, at least he's healthy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, these, uh, Mike, these. Go ahead. You shooting for Mike Moroff? Is that the last twenty? If I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, sir. Well done. That mm. is the last twenty game loser. But yeah, Cease at twelve and four with a one point nine eight ERA, and you mentioned the thirteen straight starts with one earned run or less. The first starting pitcher to do that since ERA became an official stat in nineteen thirteen. Craziness. Yeah, that's that's a long time ago, and we've seen a lot of pitchers over that span. I mean, you've seen you've seen Koufax and Gibson, you've seen a little Walter Johnson back there, you've seen uh, Verlander recently. I mean, everybody. Think of all the pitchers that have pitched and have not done that. Yeah, it's uh, absolutely absolutely amazing. Um, and then uh, and then on the other side of town, uh, Mr. Kampka, we've reached a time where it is uh, a balancing act. For David Ross with the kids and the veterans who are here and did not get traded, how much they have to play, and they're going to need some more people by the end of this season, too, for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, the trade deadline passed, and, and you didn't add too many new guys on the team. But still, we're looking at, since the start of 2020, the Cubs have used 125 different players, which is the most in the majors. And just think about that. That's that's five full 25-man rosters. I mean, it's not, you know, you have more nowadays, but, you know, roughly the equivalent of five complete different rosters of players. And to think about that, in, in the first year of the National League's history in 1876, there was 121 players who appeared in the league total. <laughs> now, now, mind you, you only had eight teams, but still. I mean, in fact, the Cubs' first 15 seasons in the National League, they used fewer players. Uh, they used 123 from 1876 to 1890. And you had three rival leagues come and pick players off the roster over that span of time. So that's a lot of different players, but it's just it's fun to think about just a variety of different players that come and play for the team. Um, when you look back on this time as a Cub fan, it's kind of like, oh, I remember that guy. And and I I really enjoy that type of thing as a baseball fan. So, wow. But that's just 125 players. That's overwhelming, man. 125 players since the beginning of 2020 some of that was the pandemic and then some of it was trading everybody and calling everybody up last year and then this year shuffling in and out trying to find people unbelievable um one last thing you and i were talking about six innings started six innings thrown by a starting pitcher it, it it's it's a high watermark of sorts in terms of volume johnny cueto has done it 13 times out of 14 starts. Um, that That is remarkable. Who else do we suppose is up there among six-inning starts in MLB? I, I've got to think it's Sandy Alcantara off the top of my head. The guy's been pitching like crazy for Miami. And, uh, you know, the, the amount of innings you rack up, it saves your bullpen. It's so valuable. I mean, so, so just to kind of look at what Cueto's done, it's just been amazing, and he's just so much fun to watch. Yeah. You get six inning starts, you get six one putouts, you get all kinds of <laughs> stuff. When Cueto, taking taking grounders at third base yesterday before the game just for the fun, and yeah. you know it's it's a joy to watch him. And, and just imagine this is a guy that they plucked um, on opening day. Unbelievable. And uh, yeah. Yep. He's a, he's a ball player. He's just a straight-up ball player who happens to pitch. Love it so much. Chris Kampka, thank you, man. Have a great day. All right, you too, Steve. You got it. Um, so that is Chris Kampka. Coming up later on today, right here on the Scores Airwaves, it'll be the Marlins and the Cubs with the finale of their series out at Wrigley Field. Jesus Lazardo and Adrian Sampson. That's coming up first pitch at 120 pregame at 12.45, after me, it is Cody Decker doing down the line right here on 670, the score. And um, the, for the White Sox, the White Sox get the Rangers once again today to wrap up their series. Lucas Giolito and Spencer Howard, 135 Eastern is first pitch there. Um, and if you didn't hear in that lineup, it's uh, Leori Garcia. Gary Garcia batting eighth, and he is your shortstop for the Chicago White Sox. Great series going on all around baseball that continue. Yankees and Cardinals. Jordan Montgomery beat his former team last night. You got the Blue Jays and the Twins rolling on. Got the Astros and Guardians in action right now. And then tonight, I am looking forward to settling in for the Padres and the Dodgers. Braves and the Mets. Spencer Strider and Jacob DeGrom. 
in that one later this afternoon as well. But Darvish and Tyler Anderson tonight for Padres Dodgers. I'll be back with you tomorrow for Parkinson Spiegel at 2 o'clock. Looking forward to that. Thank you so much to my guests today, Kylie McDaniel, Chris Kampka, and Brooks Boyer and Colin Faulkner. Sean Sears, great job today producing and a fine job by our associate producer, Ruben Spiegel, who has earned his $10. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Down the line with Cody Decker is next here on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.